I guess we're pretty familiar and comfortable, aren't we, with the Christmas story, particularly this part of it. Uh, we know very much, uh, very well, the story of the angel and the shepherds. But it's possible, isn't it, that uh, the truth and the facts have become muddled with fable and with legend and with sentimentality. So that for many, Christmas is just about uh, the normal things of preparing for family coming, the extra food, putting up the decorations in the Christmas tree so that, you know, we're well thought of in the community. And uh, all those things that are part of Christmas. There's one thing, too, that some of us will engage in, and that is, if we've got young children, um, going to nativity plays in the local school and how exciting and blessed we are when we're able to do that, particularly for our grandchildren. It reminds me, though, of a little girl who misquoted on one occasion John chapter 3 and verse 16. She said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only forgotten Son. And it's a little bit humorous, maybe. But I've got to tell you, it's true. And we live in a world where, for the most part, many, many people have forgotten what Christmas is really all about, and the Son who was born to give us life and hope and joy and peace. I find it greatly intriguing that God chose to announce the birth of His Son to shepherds. The Bible doesn't tell us much. It just says, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the field. That's it. And throughout history, the history of Israel, shepherding was a noble profession. Abel was the first to have the job, and then that followed with the uh, great patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, as Moses, and of course in our recent series on Psalm 23, we don't forget David was a great shepherd. But the greatest shepherd, the good shepherd, is our Lord and Master, and we are the sheep of His pasture. But by the time we come to the first century, shepherding has become something very different. Shepherds were now virtually the lowest class of people, just a tiny little bit ahead of lepers. And in the Talmud, a collection of interpretation and insight into the practice of Jewish law and tradition, there is a quotation that says this, no help is to be given to heathen or shepherds. That's pretty stark, isn't it? And uh, that's rather sad. So how amazing and totally strange that of all people to whom the greatest news on the planet could ever be announced, the angels appear to these lowly shepherds. Not to the Pharisees, not to the scribes, not to the rich, not to wise people particularly, but to the lowly shepherds. You see, shepherds were considered ceremonially unclean. Because of the nature of their work, they were not allowed to attend any religious services. Shepherds were people who were isolated and forgotten. They needed to move around, as you'll remember from our series on Psalm 23, in order that they might continually find a, a fresh grass and pasture and water uh, for their sheep. So they never stayed in the same place for very long, often then forgotten. Treated with contempt and with mistrust. Shepherds were often thought to be thieves and considered as thieves. It was said of them they would often confuse what was someone else's with what was their own. Their testimony was not allowed in court. They were so unreliable. Shepherds were people who were known to be brash and bold. Living as they did made them unappealing to many people. And many, it seems, had foul mouths. Ruffians ready to fight at the drop of a hat. This is what shepherds were like. 
So different from the cast of characters of Christmas that we've seen already, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary. So different. But to shepherds, the good news comes. You imagine Prince William and Catherine announcing the birth of George, not to the waiting media frenzy outside the hospital, but to those homeless people under the bridges of the London Embankment. <laughs> that would been a bit of a stir, wouldn't it? What's going on here? Why are they the first to hear? Someone's sneaking out the back door of the hospital and off they trot. Understand that God has entrusted the greatest message ever sent from heaven to earth to a group of unclean, forgotten, mistrusted, brash, smelly shepherds. Lord, what are you doing? Have you got this right? <laughs> it may be and sound so unusual to us, but then as you stop and pause a moment, maybe it's not quite so unusual. For from the very beginning of his time on earth, Jesus himself came to those who felt horrible and rejected. People who were considered nobodies, people who were all but outcasts in society in many respects. Jesus himself says in Matthew 9, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus reached out, we know, didn't we, to, don't we, to the likes of Zacchaeus, to prostitutes, to the demon-possessed, to strangers, to Samaritans, to the outcasts. Can I put it to you, he was in these things, doing in his ministry what the father did at the very beginning at his birth, when shepherds were the first to receive the good news of a Savior's birth. Mary captured something of this in her song in Luke 1.52 when she declares, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And the Apostle Paul also had something to say about it when in 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 26, I'm sure some of us are familiar with these words. He says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. Our text for today, as we think about the message of the Lord coming uh, to shepherds does not talk about it coming to Pharisees seeking to maintain their law and their righteousness and uh, making sure all their phylacteries and everything like that was in place. It doesn't say that uh, the word of the Lord comes to scribes who are looking after their scrolls by day. <laughs> None of that comes to shepherds, to the lowly, to the most undeserving the Lord comes, the neglected, the marginalized, in order that His power and His authority, and even more importantly, His love may be seen. And coming to the shepherd simply reminds us that everyone matters to God. The only announcement of God's birth was to a group of uneducated outcasts. And what we want to do very simply this morning is to just notice how the shepherds respond to what happens to them on the hillside that evening. So, the shepherds, number one, with regard to work, were committed. 
Verse 8 says, there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. They were committed to their work. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And how important that is. God comes to those who are doing what they should be doing. He comes to everybody in different ways, but there's a sense, I think, in which if we're where we should be, if we're doing what we should be doing, if we're faithful, if we're committed, God will come. God speaks. These shepherds were not slackers, and God comes to them right where they were. Can I simply invite us to remember Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever God has called us to, let us be committed to that. You may be thinking, yeah, but I am a nobody. God doesn't seem to know me, where I am, what's happening in my life. Perhaps it doesn't even, feels like you, to you like it feels he doesn't even know that you're around. Or if he does, he's mad with you. Friends, we're never insignificant to God. And his heart is to meet with each one of us, even where we are this day, this moment, in this place. And if you feel insignificant, and if there are areas in life of great need and of great uncertainty, bring them before the Lord. What does the Lord tell us to do? To lay our burdens at his feet. It's an invitation. He will come and he will meet with us right where we are. And we don't have to try and clean ourselves up. If I was invited to go and celebrate the birth of George with um, William and uh, Catherine, I guess I'd kind of smarten myself up a little bit and maybe put a tie on. These shepherds are going to the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they do nothing to smarten themselves up. I'm glad about that. They went as they were, exactly. They came, and God... Uh, so reveals this message to them. They just realized we don't have to do anything. They came, that message came to us right where we were, doing what we should be doing, as we are, and how amazing it is. And God wants to meet us where we are. Heaven chooses to bring a message often to the messed up, to the low achievers, as well as the high. Don't we see that throughout the New Testament? It's not very often that God brought special messages to Pharisees, was it? You are created, my friend, in the image of God. You're an original masterpiece. And the signature of the Creator, God Almighty, is inscribed on your soul. These shepherds then, with regard to work, were committed and next, and God comes to them. Then we notice that with regard to wonder and all and the amazing thing that happened, they were terrified. The night for them is slowly moving onward, probably in exactly the same way that it had done for many, many a night. Some of the shepherds were asleep, no doubt, some quietly talking, some sharing a drink, some talking uh, about something else that's going on in the town nearby, moaning about their lot, gossiping. The occasional sheep bleats, and as good shepherds, they look up and they make sure that there's no predator coming in uh, to steal a lamb for a late night supper. And then, as all this is happening, not much actually, is it? <laughs> but then there is a sudden interruption to the calmness of the night. We read, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Not some fantasy, fantasy, what is the word? Some fantasy that appears in the sky necessarily, some apparition, but simply among them on the ground. 
and we read, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. And I can understand them being terrified, can't you? Maybe their first thoughts were along the lines of, oh boy, now it's um, judgment time. <laughs> the bad jokes we told, the lies we told, the things we stole. Now it's judgment. Now something's gonna, terrible is going to happen to us. And no wonder they were terrified. They were scared. They weren't looking like people like Simeon and Anna for the coming of Messiah. They're expecting the worst. Is this an angel of judgment? It's payback time. They were terrified. Can I put it to you that whilst God meets us where we're at and at our point of need so often, there are times when something that is magnificent of Him is revealed to us that what happens is this, He brings us to our knees. He brings us to our knees. How important that is. God's light and God's glory shows up, lights the sky, causes these shepherds to just shake in their sandals. Whenever we come face to face with the holiness and the presence of God, whenever something awesome and magnificent, something of His light and glory that comes upon us as it were, we're made aware of it, then we're also made aware of how insignificant we are, how sinful we are, of our failure and our shortcomings. Don't forget, never insignificant to God. That's why He comes. Can I ask you to consider, when was the last time you were in awe of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ? When was the last time when you were so moved, tingles go down your spine, your voice trembles, you automatically find yourself prostrate on the ground, and you just hope it's not in Sainsbury's. <laughs> but if it is, so be it. <laughs> Happened in revival like that, you know. People just fall, fell down on the street. But in awe of God, suddenly made aware of His amazing presence right with me, right here, right now, revealing something of Himself to me. When was the last time you were in awe, marveling at the coming of Messiah? Has it been a while since you last fell down on your knees before him? Maybe this Christmas will be another time. These shepherds, with regard to wonder and awe, terrified. But next we notice that with regard to the word that was revealed to them and made known to them, they were accepting. Notice what the angel says here in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. These are the first words about the purpose of this nighttime visit of the angel to the shepherds. He's bringing good news of acceptance to everybody, and he's bringing hope. It's good news. And the idea behind this phrase includes that of something being mega, large, massive, huge, Mighty, superlative, of great degree, of great importance. You're getting the picture. And that is what this message is. Try and picture yourself on the hillside at this moment. This amazing vision has come. This great light is shining. This angel has appeared. You're scared to death. That's normal. And the angel has simply said these words here in verse 10. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Great joy that will be for all the people. Is that enough for you? Are you now in a position to say, that's okay then. <laughs> I'm not worried anymore. That's fine. 
Let it be. I don't think that would be sufficient, certainly not for me. Is the fact that it is as daylight in a bright, bright summer's day in the middle of the night okay with you? <laughs> well, you're not bothered at all? I don't think so. My guess is that the words of verse 10 are certainly not enough to stop your heart pounding to maybe thinking that this is the end of the world or something. But of course, there's more to come. It's not the end of the message, is it? But notice before we move on, the message is for all people. It's for you. And I think when that message was given for you, uh, yes, it's for everybody, but there's an emphasis somehow you feel on the shepherds, you that I'm addressing, you that I'm talking to. And the message of good news is personal, isn't it? It's to each one of us here in this place this morning, as well as to the whole world. And the good news suggested is now revealed. Look at verse 11 and verse 12. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I don't suppose a light bulb suddenly switched on in their heads. Ah, it's Messiah. I don't think suddenly they got it and everybody's happy and content with what they've been told. I guess it wasn't probably like that. But before there's time to take a breath, suddenly, verse 13, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And I reckon that this event, along with the words that have just been spoken, have all come together to contribute to the action that the shepherds went on to take. It reinforces this is something marvelous. This is something extraordinary. It's big. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out, you wouldn't have thought. But whatever their thoughts, whatever their lingering doubts, whatever the questions that still were in their mind, they accepted the message that they had heard. Because we read there in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. What a turnaround. Paul said to the Christians in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 18, we also thank God continually because when you received the word, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Isn't that exactly what's happening here? This word has come from God via an angel to the shepherds, right out of the blue, very surprising, not being looked for, not expected, and they hear it, and they believe it, and they act on it. Have you accepted the message from God, my friend? This morning, the good news of a Savior who came into the world, born in Bethlehem to die on the cross for your sin. He invites you to come, uh, to come to Him and to lay yourself down before Him, to invite Him into your life. And if we've known and loved the Lord for a long time, there may be, uh, there are burdens and situations that we carry right now in this same Jesus, born in Bethlehem, says, come to me, come to me, or you are burdened and lay heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you accepted the message from God, the good news, a gift, simply has to be received. But notice something else with these shepherds. With regard to witness, they are faithful. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. It's come on, let's go time. 
They said to one another, let's do it. They did not form a committee. They did not have a great long discussion or debate. They did not have a, okay, let's have a show of hands to see what the majority is feeling about this situation at this moment of time. And it's quite amazing that they said together, let's go and went, because shepherds weren't known for doing things very quickly. But the Bible is clear. Having accepted the message, you've got to do something with it. You have to act upon it. And this is exactly what these shepherds do. The Bible says in James 2.17, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions or deeds, it's dead. We don't like verses like that very often, do we? But that's the truth of the matter. They could have debated long and hard, but they didn't. They went and they saw. They chose to act and they moved. They went and they saw and off to Bethlehem to see for themselves the baby of this amazing news. We've indicated already, born in a smelly stable or a cave was no problem to such as shepherds. But consider how it is that unclean shepherds come to a smelly place to see the holy of holies lying on a bed of hay. It has been suggested, and there may be truth in this, that these shepherds at that time were particularly responsible for looking after the sheep that soon would be sacrificed in the worship of the temple in Jerusalem. If that was the case, how amazing is this? That they're prepared to leave those, in inverted commas, special sheep, because they had to be particularly looked after, to then go down and actually to come before the true Lamb of God, who was going to take away the sin of the world. They went, they saw, they left, and they shared. We do not read that they pulled up a bale of straw and made themselves comfortable. We don't believe that they hang around for a long time to find out all how this had come about, what had happened to Mary and Joseph, to Zachariah and Elizabeth, and so on and so on. They didn't hang around because there was an understanding, it seems. They were now messengers and witnesses of good news. Get this, no one else yet knew about. They're the only people in the world, apart from the family, who know anything about this message. Wow, what a responsibility. And the Bible tells us here in verse 17 and 18 what happened. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They spread the word. That literally means to make known in such a way that people can understand. Imagine shepherds doing that. And maybe there is a sense in which even you and I are here today in no small way because the shepherds didn't keep that message to themselves. They faithfully bore witness to it. I wonder if there's a particular way this morning in which God is challenging your heart concerning the witness and the action that you need to take with response to the word that God has given to you. Is it possible that, that, that you have a sense in which God has revealed something of his will for your life? Something to do, some place to go, some action to take, and you know it's of him, but we hesitate, we linger. There's a message laid upon your heart to share with a neighbor, with a friend this Christmas, but you're reluctant to share it for some reason. Follow the example of the shepherds in what God is calling you to do, to be a witness, to take action concerning this same good news. But then there's one more thing to notice about these shepherds. After seeing, 
We're to share like the shepherds, yes, but with regard to worship, they were adoring. I want to suggest that, that they were lost in wonder, love, praise. It's awesome. Nobody else has had an experience like the shepherds. But what is cool here is that the shepherds went back to their own humdrum job. They returned to where they started. And 99% of us probably, when we've received an amazing word and message and experience and revelation from God, will be doing exactly the same thing. But please God, like the shepherds, in a different way. Rejoicing, praising, worshipping, adoring our Lord and our God. These shepherds returned to where they started. They were again committed to their work. They did not write a book. They did not go on a tour and launch a ministry called The Shepherd's Tale. They went back to where they began and they continued, but different. They were changed. They were transformed. And they did so with great rejoicing. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I think it's amazing. As a thought came to me in the service this morning, which um, if I can remember what that was, I'll share with you. It was this thought that, you know, remember we said at the beginning that the shepherds, um, their word was not trusted. They weren't allowed to bear witness in the court. But what do we discover here? In these verses, they've heard a message, and they're sharing it, and they're witnessing to it, and they're telling people about it, and the people who hear it are amazed. What a turnaround. Isn't it amazing what God can do and who God can use for his honor and for his glory? But as we close, can I put it to you that clear evidence of us having been people like the shepherds who received a message from him, a revelation from God, are going to be people who will be lost in awe and wonder and worship of what God has done. That's how this story ends up. That's what the shepherds were doing, worshiping and praising God. Somebody wrote these words, many of us worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship. You see how that is in reversed? You allow yourself this Christmas to worship and adore Emmanuel, God with us, praising him like the shepherds for all you have heard and all you have seen and all that God has made clear and known to you. Back to where you were, but different. Not as the same person. I wonder how often on a Monday morning we're different than the week before because we've been to church on Sunday. used to find it so frustrating sometimes that nothing seemed to change. <laughs> Praise God, it does. And we don't know who preached the word of God, what goes on in a person's heart and life. And praise God, we don't. Because we trust God to work his purposes out in each one of us. But how different will tomorrow morning be? Because we've had an encounter with God here this morning. We've worshipped him. We've praised his glorious name. Back to the same, but different. Different tomorrow at work, at home, in the community. Final question. Do you want to take on the role of the shepherds and be like the shepherds? You see, they were changed forever. And so can we be if we simply follow their example. Be committed to what God has called you to do. Be open to God coming to you. 
Be in wonder and awe at God's message to you. Accept the word and the message as from the Lord, his gift of good news, and bear witness to what you know to be true. That's what the shepherds did. That's what happened in Luke chapter 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord, the awaited the Messiah, your Lord, your Master, your King. Corrie ten Boom said, if Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he was, a thousand times, and not in me, I would still be lost. Our prayer surely is that each one of us this Christmas will have an angel-type revelation, a shepherd experience. So easy, isn't it, to just go through all the same things that we do every Christmas. Nothing wrong with so many of them. You know, family round, stuffing ourselves with turkey, opening presents, so many good stuff. But it's what we do. We do beer and carols. What we do is great. It's fun. It's enjoyable. We feel it part of our mission, if you like, within the community, and it is. But we do it because we do it. Oh, dear friends, may this Christmas be so transforming to us in a new and living way that we might have some angelic revelation, some revelation from God as the shepherds did, and be lost in awe and wonder at what God is doing for us and to us and wants to do in our heart and in our life. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for your word. It's so familiar to us. But Lord, by your Spirit, write it afresh and anew and in a different way maybe on our hearts this very morning. Lord, help us to truly be open to a visit from yourself in whatever way, shape or form it may take. Maybe simply through someone sharing a word with us, but whatever. May we receive it as from yourself. Lord, help us to love you, to serve you, to be in awe of what you've done. We thank you, Father, for the birth of your Son. Thank you for the great message that was given to the shepherds. We still proclaim it. It's still alive. It still reaches people. Lord, it's the only message we have. Help us to be faithful to it. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Still raining. <laughs>